Hello and welcome to Ruth Bear's Witness, the podcast, where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled, How to Be a Good White Friend, which is part of my series, Confessions of a Recovering White Supremacist. I'm walking down the street with a large group of people in a city I don't know. The evening holds an endless purple sky. I'm one of just a handful of white people in this crowd full of BIPOC or black indigenous people of color. I'm so happy to be there. The mood is exciting and expectant. There's a man near me in this pack of people and he's somehow familiar though I have not seen him before. As I raise my hands and my voice to speak out very loudly, a heavy-set woman wearing some kind of robe with a dark black bun on top of her head charges at me from across the street. As she approaches to attack me, I see that the irises of her eyes are swirling as she screams and jumps on me, knocking me down. As we collide, she covers my face with her open mouth, silencing my words, but evoking my screams and then there's darkness. It's some otherworldly being attacking and silencing me. And my husband has to wake me to stop my screaming in my own bed in the middle of the night. Not long after, I'm dreaming again, maybe within a couple weeks. And this time, I'm walking down a street bathed in golden sunshine. It's a beautiful afternoon. Again, I notice that familiar man is walking with me. I still have no idea who he is, but there's this presence about him that is unmistakable, unforgettable. I feel safe as we walk together. And out of nowhere, an attacker slits my throat from behind with a knife and everything just goes black. I wake up inside my dream to find myself in a building much like a college dorm with lots of rooms and living spaces and it's empty except for this man and myself. He has saved me and healed my wounds without any medical equipment. We're trapped inside this building and we roam from room to room in an effort to stay safe. Just keep moving so they, whoever they are, won't find us. All the while, Streams of sunshine keep pouring in through the windows, and I can see the dust particles floating in the streams of light. The man indicates without words that it's unsafe for us to leave as we hunch together beneath the window. The outside world looks calm, but we can hear chaos in the distance. And then the noise dies down, and he nods to me that we're safe to leave, so we step out into a courtyard full of that bright sunlight and we never speak even once before I wake up. Many years ago, my family lived through a period of constant engagement and intimacy with multiple BIPOC or multiracial families, just like in that first dream. But with the economic downturn 13 years ago and the fact that so many of these friends are in the military, they vanished one family at a time. We looked up one day and in the midst of all my children's autoimmune and brain disorders, 
we found ourselves in almost total isolation. And the Lord gave me more than a decade full of heartache and suffering before I could come out on the other side with a calling and a purpose beyond caregiving for sick children. That time of isolation, like in the second dream, we quietly lived in the shadows, trying to hide and protect our children, both white and BIPOC, from the effects of white supremacy. There were times when it was more than we could bear to tolerate in church, at school, in courtrooms for our children, our foster kids, and their biological parents. If we speak of it to white people, we're silenced or told it is anything and everything except that a racial hierarchy lays at the root of the problem. People have no idea how deeply this wounds my BIPOC children's sense of belonging in my extended family and their own identity development. Not being seen, heard, and understood is devastating to my children. As most white folks refuse to acknowledge it, my ties to many friends and families have weakened as they refuse to learn the truth about the world we live in. Just as in my dream, walking shoulder to shoulder with BIPOC brothers and sisters, I have found solace, joy, and a place of acceptance in more BIPOC circles. I can relate more with BIPOC than my white counterparts most of the time. Women who know and they grieve with me. They get it. In fact, they get it more than I get it. We have similar but not exactly the same experiences because racism is never directed at me, but at my children. As I walk through that with them, the scars are incredibly painful. We women of differing cultures and races pray for each other without ceasing, and the fact that I have been allowed to bear witness alongside them as an ally, a sister, a friend, is a privilege not many white people will encounter. So where does a white person start? In John 3, 30 and 31, John the Baptist says it beautifully. As he follows Jesus, he must give his whole person over to the Lord. It says, he or Jesus must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all and the one who comes from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. In Ephesians, Paul explains that we must submit to one another in reverence to Christ chapter 5 verse 21. This word submit means to place my personal rank below that of the people around me. And we white folks in the United States have the majority of the power and highest rank due to the effects of white supremacy on our culture and on our own person. In other words, I have to acknowledge the way white supremacy has artificially elevated my position over BIPOC in the United States, along with its very real consequences, and that I must humbly set it all aside to honor the personhood of everyone around me as my equal. Recently, I was in a car accident. The other driver was an elderly Asian woman. All the authoritative figures who came to take our statements and tow our demolished cars 
automatically spoke to me and took my word above hers. The men coddled and catered to me as though I were a fragile, pretty princess, as my eldest daughter would say. To my disgust, they carelessly and crudely threw multiple racist comments while appearing friendly as they talked about the woman during our discussions of what had transpired. This upset me and I did all I could to demonstrate kindness and care for her rather than behave angrily because she wrecked my car. As she was readying to go home, she approached me, took my hand and apologized to me for endangering me and my son. She earnestly asked me once more to be sure that I was indeed all right. I squeezed her hand back and reassured her that everything is okay. Even if the jerks around me weren't, somehow I was able to be a safe person for her in those moments. Beautiful things can happen when we put others above ourselves and our possessions. And earning these privileges, even among strangers, requires that a white person develop the trust of BIPOC. It requires a level of deference humility and submission that most white people are not used to exercising. A white person's heart posture toward BIPOC must change. This happens when a person begins to understand the power and privilege he or she walks in because of their whiteness. White folks, the weight of this should have you on your knees, learning to take up less space in public spaces and conversations and walking in grace while acknowledging and learning the cultural differences and communication styles of BIPOC. Digging deep into the beauty of true submission as Paul discussed in his letters, white people rarely learn to submit in humility, defer to others in a society of people obsessed with their rights. The power dynamics between white people and BIPOC can be overwhelming for BIPOC to walk through and almost impossible for white folks to see in everyday encounters. As I grow in intimacy with my BIPOC friends, I have learned that they cannot afford to trust just anyone with some of the most intimate, painfully humiliating moments a person can endure in racism. My children suffer the effects of white supremacy, and the more I grow in my understanding of this blinding, cancerous evil, the more I understand how deeply it has impacted everything about me and about you, no matter what shade of brown your skin happens to be. If I am to be all things to all people, as Paul says, then I need to let go of centering my whiteness and insistence upon my rights over all else. To be a good friend and a safe stranger to BIPOC, I must understand how my power and my privilege negatively impact them and make those adjustments in my heart and in my actions. This is exactly what Jesus suggests when he says, greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13.
To read or to listen to more Ruth Bears Witness stories, please visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining me today. Take care and God bless.